Hi, I'm Jill Wright, founder and CEO of Executive Shine. And on behalf of myself and my phenomenal guests, we want to welcome you to Executive Shine Soul to Soul Conversations. I am so honored to bring you some of the world's most fascinating and dynamic leaders who often only have one thing in common, uncommonly outrageous positive impacts on people and businesses. They are leaving this world a much better place. So kick back and join us. Grab a few insights you can immediately apply to leverage your leadership and foster greater authentic connection in a world that's become increasingly disconnected. We so desperately need you to shine your light bright. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. I am so honored that we have our back for a <laughs> encore performance is Jeannie Holzbacher. And Jeannie is a special, uh, a special, special person. And as you know, used to be my, my co-host for this show. And she has been going through some really life-changing events. And I'm so honored that she is back with us tonight to share her story and the things that are going on in her life and talk to us about resilience and self-care and all of the things that have been going on and showing you all of these different parts of your life that, that we all have and that we need to see in a different light. So welcome, Jeannie. Oh, I'm excited to be back, Jill. It's like being back on all the home stomping grounds. Yeah, I'm so excited. And the listeners, you know, they want to know your story. And so let them know like what's happened, how you're doing, take them back because it's such a, a really inspiring story of turning a difficult situation into something very powerful. And I think that, that everyone has unique situations throughout their life that take them back and, and start them from, from almost from ground zero again and show them what's important in life. And that's certainly what you've been going through. You know, it is. And I think I, I would say on some respects, I still am. I've learned some pretty valuable lessons and I'll, I'll talk about some of them tonight, not all of them, but my background is from, from a professional standpoint, I'm a nurse who've been, had been in healthcare for 30 years and I'm a healthcare executive that work with very many other busy executives. And I run a national program in the U S for education and training for people at the end of life in hospice. And while I was doing that with a lot of challenges came COVID and in my background on my personal life, I've spent several years being a caregiver to a mother with dementia. And when that it was a 24-7 responsibility when I wasn't working. And what happened, I knew all this. I've talked to people. I've lectured. I've spoken on it. But it's yet another to walk through it. And I, I would advise people to do exactly what I didn't. And in the busyness of life and COVID, I just got increasingly on the back burner. My health, my everything. I, it was work and it was caregiving, work and caregiving. And what happened to me is what often happens to people when they've cared for a disabled child or spouse or parent for a while, that when there's an extreme trauma going on over an extended period of time, and that person either A, gets better or B, passes away, the caregiver suddenly falls apart. And then the caregiver gets stuck. You saw it with even Christopher Reeves, the famous actor. He was sick and disabled all those years. His wife was his caregiver. He dies, and then less than a year later, she dies of lung cancer. And so you see things like that all the time. So what happened to me was I knew I wasn't well. I knew my get up and go got up and went the last few years. You and I, even on a consulting trip, I was telling you about it in February. 
And I'm like, there's signs, but I just kept putting things off because, um, because life. And then the day happened when I woke up and found a lump on my breast, which um, did end up being cancer. And when I did, a th- I, I got the world's greatest team working with me. And when I ended up getting a thorough comprehensive workup, I found I had a multitude of health issues <laughs> that have been brewing because it's everything from cancer to liver disease, to adrenal fatigue, to leaky gut heading into full-blown celiac. It was a, mul- I'm like, Hey, What's good? He says, your heart and your kidneys. I said, great. I can go to the bathroom and love still. That's all I need. I can go from there. So um, what I did was I took some of the traditional medicine route and some of the non-traditional route and went on an aggressive campaign of a healing journey. And I'm still in it. I'm actually finishing up my first quarter of three quarters of a lot of different supplements. But you know, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than eating the right food or exercising or taking the right supplements, even though all that's important. I could do all of that, but it's actually a mindset reset. That's the core of it, because if I don't do that, the other stuff's just decorative fluff. I believe that a lot of illness is environmentally uh, induced. We aren't genetically wired because our mom had this, that. So what? So what? We, we, have a, we have a choice to make if we're going to be CEOs of our health. And so for me, I had to make a choice to say, you know what, Jeannie, it's time to honor you and get yourself off the back burner and get yourself off the discount rack um, and put yourself behind the glass case where they keep the valuables. And that means some radical things are going to change. And so far, I don't have my first round of blood work and for a couple more weeks to see how I'm doing. Although I feel like my tumor is shrinking. My energy is coming back. Uh, my skin is a little clearer. My nails and hair are growing so fast. They're like, what's going on? I think it's because I'm cleaned up my diet and I'm putting nutritionals on top of that. Yeah. You, know, you, you have, you've had somebody on the show with me before Dr. Stephanie Rimka and she, and I'm sure Dr. Charlie and all the others we've had on Melissa would say this supplements are great. Vitamins are awesome, but they're not there to do the job for you. Right. So I've had to do some hard work and you know what the hardest thing has been, Jill? What? Not working. The hardest thing has been slowing down. The hardest thing, thing, thing has been saying no to good projects, one of which was this program. The hardest thing is saying no to people that I said yes to you tonight because you're a very special guest or a special person in my life. But I say no a lot more than I say yes now. And that has been the hardest lesson to learn. It, that's beautiful. And so what it's so important what you're doing is. You know, in, in my business, uh, and I mentioned to you last night, we say, what does love look like here? And that's our real foundational principle. And that's really what you're doing with your life. Like, okay, what does love look like for Jeannie right now? Mm-hmm. Because both you and I suffer from this caregiving and I mean, I think 90% of the women in the world do. And so what, what steps are, can you tell the listeners, how did you make that shift? You know, your company, you do a lot of work personally with leadership. So now you're leading with yourself first so that you have the strength and the power and your maximum potential to be able to do what your purpose is and, and exercise your God-given gifts in the world. But women who are in that place of stress and overwhelm and just being busy and all this and putting everyone else first, how, what were the steps you took to be able to reclaim you're honoring yourself. Um, even though I told you I, I'm changing things in phases and diet, fitness, exercise, everything. 
The biggest, the biggest shift for me has been twofold. It's been a spiritual and emotional mindset shift because what I've had to do is stop just doing the behavior and then hoping for the results. Uh, my, one of my favorite books in Romans says, do not conform to this world's patterns, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I stopped saying, okay, I got to change the behavior first. The behavior is a byproduct of what we think. What we think is a byproduct of what we're putting in our mind. So I had to start eliminating the junk and taking the toxic waste out of here. And then not just leaving that empty as a gap, but replacing the toxic waste with good quality stuff. I had to face some hard truths about myself, but I had, but I learned to do it in a way that wasn't shaming or blaming, you know, like almost looking back objectively at my life and saying, well, isn't that interesting that you did that? Because in the past, what I would do was finger wag and shame. Right. And that, that doesn't do any good for your spirit or for anybody's. And so the other thing I had to do was in the process of changing my patterns, I realized you spent so much time people pleasing over your life. It was a coping mechanism for survival at one point, but it's become so subconsciously embedded into who you are and what you do. You don't even realize you do it anymore. So I had to make myself start becoming thinking. I had to start thinking about what I think about, become aware of it. And then I had to remember that, you know what? Dude, the calling on my life wasn't a conference call. It was between me and God. The rest of you people didn't get invited to it. I love that. It wasn't a conference call. You're right. And that we get so caught up in wanting to please other people, keep them happy. They're a priority over us. And when you're having those self-awareness conversations with yourself like what are the tools what what are some of the good things that you are putting back in after you've taken some of that toxic out I love that verse in Romans that's so yeah first of all I journal I journal because what I have found is you and I can have a conversation and we have pretty blunt, honest conversations more than most people, but there's something when you slow down and you've got a pen in hand and you write, it forces your brain to become more honest with you. And truth comes out on paper that doesn't come out through the lips all the time. And so for me, journaling has been a big part of that. For me, I started weekly. I'm doing this thing called Switch On Your Brain. Again, it's another Caroline Leaf program. But in the process of it, she says, here's the scientific quantum physics piece. Here's the, here's the, here's the spiritual piece. And she puts it all together. Jeannie's added another piece in. And that is at the end of each week, she summarizes the lesson by writing a letter to God from Jeannie or from God to Jeannie. So instead of me writing my feelings, once I get a, a perception of how valuable and worthy I am. And I strap that baby on and choose to own it. Then I say, based off what I've learned this week, God, what do you want to say to me? And I have him write a letter to me. Ooh, that's powerful. My darling genie is how it starts. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And so I embrace the truth of who I am and worthiness. There's nothing, it's not only is it not wrong, it's so healthy. And the thing is not, I've gained a level of confidence from that, but you know what? People want confidence and they go searching for confidence. Here's what I've learned so far. And I'm actually writing a five-step course about it now. I haven't shared that and I've not been on social media and that's been intentional. I'm taking a break to turn the open wounds into scars first. And as they get scar tissue and I'm ready to start being more transparent and vulnerable about what's happened and how I'm learning hard truths and simple ways to fix them. But what I've learned about confidence is this. It's not confidence we're after. We think that's what it is. We're, we're after clarity. We get rid of the confusion and we gain clarity and boom, the confidence has no choice but to show up because we know who we are, what we are, what we're about and how we're going to do it, whatever it is. Absolutely. That's a really powerful statement. And do you remember when we had Bill Heinrich on the show? And How could I forget? Oh, it was amazing. But to talk about clarity has no story and to get to real worthiness and confidence, we have to get past the stories. 
to the truth. And that's what, that's beautiful, Jeannie, what you're doing with the letters from God. I love that. You should write like a whole book on that. It may end up being in one of my courses, uh, one of the exercises. But, you know, the other thing that I've learned, too, and again, please know I'm still learning. I haven't mastered this, but I am at a different place than I used to be. And that is um, mastering the art of my emotions instead of letting my emotions own me because of the circumstances around me. Does You know, I, I don't, truthfully, I don't have any crystal ball to know how the story is going to end. I mean, we all know how our story is going to end in, eventually, but I don't know how the, I don't have a crystal ball to know how the story is going to end, what my diagnoses are going to be like, how my health is going to be six months, a year from now. And you want to know, in one sense, I thought that was scary at first, but it's actually a beautiful thing because I'm not dependent on that for my joy. I'm not dependent on my mom getting out of dementia for my joy. I'm not dependent. I have some rough moments. I had one about a week or two ago, two weeks ago. And um, I called my brother and I was a little bit upset and I was crying. I was just having a moment. And he's like, you know, I'm just concerned about your reaction to this. And I'm like, you know what I realized? It's kind of a PTSD reaction. I I have a little bit of, of trauma response to some things that I'm still working through. But the point is, there was no shaming. There was no blaming. There was a recognition and moving on. And um, mastering emotions really means not having your circumstances define who and what you are. Right. And mastering. It's beautiful what you said. I wanted to also bring that up because mastering shame, blame, and guilt. Yeah, I took those out of my diet. Exactly. Sugar, 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 shame, blame, and guilt. But it's true in order to get to that place where we can be quiet with ourselves and get clear on where we want to go. The shame, the blame, and the guilt, that's got to go. You know what else, Jill? Um, I've spent 17 of my 30 years of my healthcare career in hospice. I've sat next to people in their final paragraphs or final chapters or final sentence of life. I've been at the bedside of hundreds of people taking their last breaths of life. I've supported them. I've done everything. I work with a bunch of the most amazing people around the United States who do that now. And what I realized is it became a whole different game when I sat there and said one physician before I got to see my doctor, one physician um, didn't give me a very good prognosis. And he gave me advice I didn't want to do. And he said he'd never seen anybody have X, Y, Z and survive without doing what he said. And I went home devastated that night and I planned my funeral. I looked at my, I looked at my face, my life, my death, my, what, what I had accomplished square. And it was a hard night, but it was a good night to have because I faced the thing that we think is so scary. And um, then the next day I got my bootstraps on and fired his ass. Because you and I have a mutual friend, and I'll, I'll forever be grateful for Dr. M, who said to me, who's the CEO of your health? She goes, I don't, she didn't agree with his opinion either. And she's like, you are the CEO of your health. Are you going to choose to own it? And I'm like, you're damn right I am. So I moved on and, you know, interviewed some other people and got a whole team that's working with me. And we were doing some of the most cutting edge things that I didn't even know existed. It's it's incredible when you get clear, like you said, on where you want to go and the fact that you are in charge and not someone else and not their opinion. And then the it's amazing how God works. And then the steps and the people that you need to get where you want to go, they just, it's miraculous how they just show up to support you when you're clear like that you know you also got to be willing if you if you want to do big things you got to be willing to go into uncharted waters and get out of your comfort zone because mediocrity is crowded and you're you're gonna you got to be willing to fail and fall flat on your face 
and be able to pick yourself back up and recognize failure is your friend. Failure is not the enemy. Looking stupid or look worried about what other people think is the enemy. Failure can be the best teacher. It has great data-rich mining treasure trove of information for how to do things bigger and better the next time. I call it NT, next training, next time. You know, you learn, you, you take your NT sheet. What did I learn from this? And you move on. And sometimes it's not even a failure. Sometimes it's a training like what you and I did. And you say, hey, here's what I want to do next time to make it even better. Exactly. It's leveling up. But I, I found that most, m- many people don't want to level up they, in, their need for, in their fear or their need for control, which they'll call love and they'll disguise it as love. Um, they are wanting to stay. They don't want to be challenged in that way. It's too scary because what if they find out who I really am? And the truth is you and I have to die to who we are if we're going to be born to who we're meant to become. It's true. And I think there's a piece of giving that, that is also a a piece of, of hiding behind giving. Because if I give, I look good to everyone else. It feels good. And Nobody can see me. Yeah, it, you know, it all depends on your motivation. I remember somebody talking to me about tithing once and, you know, tithing a percentage, you know, your top 10%, whatever, um, you know, different people have different opinions on that. And, and he said to me something very interesting. He said, are you tithing from a place of joy? Or are you tithing from a spirit of obligation? Because if, if you're not doing it from joy, keep your money. Yeah. Keep your money because your motivation is a different motivation and your motivation is just as important as, you know, God, the real God, not the fake one that we create because we have different ones. There's fake ones we create to, you know, he created us in his image and we create fake ones to fit our image. And sometimes we bastardize it along the way. Not that I have an opinion about that, but um, the real one, he looks at the widow that's giving 10 cents out of her measly income, and he's more blown away by her than he is the wealthy merchant that's giving 10000 Absolutely. So I think we fall into that with the caregiving, with the, with, with the putting other people ahead of ourselves, because we do it and it becomes, at first we do it because it's the right thing to do it's an emergency situation we're reacting we Mm -hmm. need to help people and people need our help so i'm not saying don't do that but what i'm saying is then over time we have to check what's your why you know where is that is, is that really coming from and are you in balance are you doing that because you're obligated and and we are obligated i mean we've got situations where we've got to take care of people but how can we shift from that place of obligation to that place of joy right and and that's where the real work comes and that's where the rubber meets the road and that's where it's really important again be open to going into uncharted waters die to who you are so that you can become who you were meant to be master your emotions instead of the moaning you and invest in your own growth while you die to people pleasing, because again, your call on life wasn't a conference call. And so at the end of the day, I had a conversation with a dear, dear friend recently. We were talking and I said, my boundaries for relationships have radically changed. I am more authentically transparent in ways I've never been. I have a, I have a friend that you're very familiar because you've heard me talk about this individual a lot. And he's been in my life a long, long time. And I just radically came out to him and said, listen, I've loved you for 35 years and I'm done hiding that. I'm done hiding that because I'm not afraid of you rejecting any me more anymore because I've not put the obligation on you to meet those needs. I love you and I'm calling it unconditional. And that means I'm doing it with a loose grip, expecting nothing in return and anything I get is bonus, but you're not obligated. And he was like, <laughs> I have had more gifts since then than I've had in a while. But then, you know, with somebody else, I'm like, the beauty of cancer, if you use it well, is it sure does make you real. And uh, with somebody else, I'm like, you know what? 
I, I got to set a boundary here. I love you, but I'm going to have to love this one from a distance because I'm done when I'm in a crisis. I'm done allowing other people to make it about them. And I'm done accommodating that. If you can't accommodate me, I'll love you for who you are from a distance, but I'm going to go. And you've been one of those people this year too, for me like this. I'm going to go and have people in my life that are safe for me to show up as I really am without having to perform or dance through hoops or meet their fears and insecurities. Absolutely. I think that's really important to, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought up boundaries and even it's, it's really interesting. I've been doing a lot of work on that myself and recognizing that in my business, I have very good boundaries, but I didn't have such good boundaries with myself and the people around me. And you have to decide what, what is life-giving, who is life-giving so that you can surround yourself with that little power team of people that you know you can vent to, but that are always going to help give you a different perspective, bring you up out of that situation, or just shut up and listen, because sometimes that's what it takes too. Yeah, it, it's it's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful learning experience, but I won't deny that it hasn't that it has been hard. Um, because it's hard to recognize, you know, I'm now in my fifties. And as I reflect back, why am I still struggling with this when I'm so good at this over here? And so it's really been important for me not to, um, get back into the shame and blame. And before we close tonight, I'm going to share a letter with you. Not right now that I think sums that all up for every one of us, because the people like us who want to give and serve and love. And please, we struggle with what's the best way to set boundaries, how people think, what if they think I mean, what if they do this, what if they do that? And there's solutions for all of that. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break and go to commercial. Then when we come back, let's keep talking. This is a fantastic discussion. Are you sick and tired of being tired? Are you tired of your clothes not fitting the way you want them to? Are you frustrated when you look at that number on the scale? Seeing the number on the scale can be frustrating. Imagine a whole new generation of products that focus on what really counts, body composition. We have introduced an innovative trio of products that focus on fat loss and body composition, more muscle, less fat. This is the first in the world combination to reduce fat loss. It accelerates fat reduction, reduces fat cell size, reduces fat cell formation, improves muscle tone, boosts metabolism, burns more calories, and promotes lean body composition. This lean body system is the game changer you've been looking for. Go to trimwithus.com for $10 off on your first order today. That commercial, hearing her voice reminds me of a couple of people that you and I both know that I adore. And in my people pleasing, I've had to slow down there and with and doing some work with them. I am coming. And when I come back in the next month or two, I'm coming aggressively strong with my first ebook. Um, it's going to be about my health journey. It's going to be about yo-yo dieting. It's going to be about all that stuff, but it's not going to be, here's what you eat. It's going to be here because this is the foundation. You know, there was a gentleman, a king in, in a village. I don't know if you've ever heard the story about Sir Gawain, but um, he was somebody that wanted to know the answer to a question that many men want to know the answer to. And the question is, what do women want? And they went scour the village to find the answer. And only one person had the answer. So he sent his servant on a journey to go find that answer. He said, you have one year to find the answer. They were in the forest, in the dark of the forest. You have one year to find that answer or you'll be put to death. And he goes, okay. So he went and traveled and traveled and then couldn't find the answer to what do women want. And then it was a couple of days before the big day that he was going to lose his life. And he says, finally, desperate desperation. He goes back into that dark, musty, ugly forest that they started this journey out on to see if the answer was there. And out of nowhere comes this cackly old woman, big, long nose, crotchety back, a big old chin hair hanging out, you know, stained clothes, raggedy hair. And it turns out she is the sister of that 
king or prince? And she knows the answer. She goes, oh, he probably sent you to find that. I have the answer. He goes, you do? And she said, yes. She said, but in order for me to give you that answer, you have to marry me. And you have to do it in front of everyone in the village. Are you willing to do that? He says, I'll do anything for my master. So the big wedding ceremony takes place. She comes out looking all ratty with the chin hair, everything. Dinner, they're sitting down dinner and she's like eating drum, chicken drum legs and turkey legs and grease all over. And she says, will you take me to the bedchamber now? He says, yes, that, is, that was what I will do. So he takes her to the bedchamber. And she says, well, are you going to kiss me? He said, absolutely. So he closes his eyes and he kisses this grotesque chin-haired woman. And when he opens them, there sits the most beautiful creature he's ever seen. And he's like, oh my gosh, what's this all about? And she says, you've broken part of the spell. Because one of the things that women want is to be loved for who they are and cherished. And because you did this now, half of the day, I'm going to look like this. And the other half, I'm going to look like that old woman. So which one do you want? Do you want me to be this way during the day when all your friends are around? Or do you want me to be this way at night when it's just you and me? And he says, again, that isn't up to me. That's up to you. And she says, you've done it again. Now you've broken the spell because what we want is choices and options. And so forever he broke the spell. But what it teaches us is in order to get the beauty that we want, we got to go kiss those ugly chin hair parts of our lives and make peace with them. That's not the story, by the way, that's a different one, but that, that just came up because I'm thinking, you know, what I've learned to do, and I'm not, again, I'm I'm still in the school of it. I'm, I don't have the PhD, but I'm finishing up my master's right now. And that is I'm kissing those ugly chin hairs. (laughs) You are so poetic, Jeannie. Like those ugly chin hairs of life. Our beautiful, handsome young man guest is probably grossing out right now because he can't imagine taking somebody out with a big long chin hair. But it's it's a metaphor for we all have those moments in life, those things we want to be we're ashamed of that we want to hide from, that we don't want to ever show, that we can't love. And here's the truth: if we can't love us, we're never really going to be available to love somebody else. We don't have to love us when we're 115 pounds. We can love us right now. We don't have to love us when we have five million in our bank account we can love us right now we keep waiting for that thing to make us lovable and it's elusive because we'll never get there it starts in here and then the rest shows up that's exactly what i was going to say is it's not external none of that matters and you know when people all of us all of us have been gone through this when we have a situation and we're looking for answers, where do we go first? We go external instead of really understanding that, that our, it's our spiritual relationship. It's our self-awareness. It's an opportunity for us to look inward and discover the solutions because God made us all different and we're an important piece of the puzzle. And until we go inward and we see all of that, all of the answers that are already there, that's the biggest mistake I think we make is going external and saying, what do you think? Or what do you think? Or what do you think? Instead of saying, getting quiet and saying to God, okay, what do you think? What do you as the creator think of me? Because I'm going to tell you something. He has amazing thoughts about us. He's not, he's not there to shame or condemn. That's where some of us with the label Christian have screwed up in this life. We've taken and misinterpreted who he is and who his word is. And we've done a lousy job at times representing him. When people have a problem with people of faith, I don't fault them for that because who only knows? One time I, I saw a commercial with a sign that, that these people were picketing and they said, God hates. And it was a different type of pers- sexual identity persuasion. And I'm thinking, no, he doesn't. 
and you're misrepresenting him. No wonder people think that the way they do, you know? And so if we understand who the real one is and get rid of the fake stuff, the real one has pretty awesome things to say about you and me. And, and, you know, you can grow in your identity and your confidence and it gives a peace that surpasses all understanding when chaos is swirling all around you in the midst of it, peace can still be there. You're talking about how we go external. One of the best things that my friend Jack ever said to me recently, a few months ago, I was talking to him about something I was going to do physically with my appearance at XYZ. And he said something, I go, what do you think about that? Isn't that cool? And he goes, I don't get into it. You're talking to me about what you look like, but what you look like isn't who you are. Right. And I thought, by golly, I could just give you a big fat kiss right now. So but I didn't. And I just think to myself, he's right. And, you know, there, there's an essence to our spirit. One a day, we, the looks fade away and you're sitting on the front porch, either with somebody or not. And it's not, there needs to be something more in the essence of relationships to sustain things, to keep the relationship fruitful. Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on something that I want to go a little bit deeper. One of the things that, that I've experienced recently is, is hearing some people say the right things, but it's not coming. It's coming from their head and not their heart. And just like Jack said to you, your essence the part that, that, that people feel comes from the energy of your heart. And so being connected with that and sharing from that authentic place sometimes doesn't even require words. But talk a little bit more about that too, because I know that you understand that and it, it makes a big difference. You know, it's about energy. Our cells, our bodies, we're made up of energy. Sometimes our energy shows up in the room before we do. And it's kind of like, I have this joke I tell the nurses when I'm doing training. And I say, you're going to go out and talk to patients about some very intimate subject matter. We need to get you confident in your verbiage. Because guess what? People hear our words, but they feel our attitude. And the handshake of the host affects the taste of the roast. People can say, oh, come in. But I know it's not just me. We've all had those holiday meals with family members that are obligatory, that we don't want to be there. We're going through the motions and eating this meal, but we can't wait to get the heck out of there because everybody's doing their social niceties, but we don't like each other. And you feel that you can feel that in a room. You can feel that with people. And I think that, that as far as energy goes, um, when you do the work, that's part of why I have as much as I've been eager to share some things, I haven't shared much of anything on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. I'm holding off because it's timing's not right yet. There's still work I have to do. People need somebody who's fully been there as a tour guide that can take them there, not a travel agent that's sending them to places she's never been. Right, right, absolutely. But it, 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 you also touched on something. You, we don't have to wait until we're perfect. That's because- correct. The, the way that you are sharing your heart and that you are being so vulnerable and what that does is really powerful. It's giving the, the people around you that you maybe don't even know, you know, some listeners that we know, we don't even know them, but it's giving them permission to tap in and express the deepest parts of themselves, when you make it safe, when you get safe with you and you're honest and you're speaking your truth and you're loving all those chin hairs, you know, when you're doing that. Some days there's a lot of them, Jill. Right. I know I go through it too. And, and, but when you're doing that and you create that kind of safety with yourself, that's an energy people feel too. And then when they connect with you 
because you've just been authentic with them and not pretentious and you never are pretentious, but some, but you know, people think they have to look good or they have to have the answer before they go into a dialogue about something. And it's not about our answers for other people. It's about reflecting back to them so that they can feel safe and tune in to what their own answers are. Right. It's um, if we're doing it well, that's exactly what it is. If we're doing it the other way, then it's more about our need to be needed. And, um, and so I think that real Trump's perfect every single time in business and in life, people will admire you from a distance as an untouchable if they think you're perfect, but they will love you up close if you're real, because, you know, it's kind of like the velveteen rabbit, you know, his, most of his eyes were bent, his hair was loved off, but he was real. Yeah. And they want in a world where everything is so freaking fake and everybody's showing you their million dollar Ferraris and their bikini babes and their mansions from their business. And they're trying to woo you in from with all kinds of crazy stuff on social media for business and training and development, man, when people real will stop people dead in their tracks every time and draw them in. Cause it's not there enough. We're too busy trying to put on an impression. And you know what? The other part is when I love my imperfections, even the chin hairs sort of imperfections, when I can love those and appreciate them for what they are. I think Brene Brown even has a book called the gift of imperfection. You can just show up in appreciate the best of you know that you're know the parts of you that aren't the best bring people in around you that value the same things you do, but think different thoughts and have different strengths. You've been pretty good at doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. I remember my uncle being out on the porch when I was like 12 years old and after church and he was cooking barbecue for us and him, he's saying, you know, I said, well, I don't know enough to do this. And, and he said, Jill, you don't need to know. You just need to surround yourself with people who do know. So find experts in all of these different areas and then gain that wisdom. You don't have to be, and I think as an entrepreneur, we think that too. We think, oh my God, you know, I got to be this person and that person and I got to be my accountant and I got to be this and a lawyer and this and I got to handle service and I got to manage my people and whatever. Well, play to your strengths. And if it's not fun, hire it done. That's an Esther Hicks saying that I just love. And it's when you can find someone like, for example, Tara and I, she doesn't like to shop and I love to shop. So I take care of her and she does all this paperwork that I hate to do, which she absolutely loves to do. So find people you could have crazy relationships with like that. Find out what they love mm-hmm. and then recognize that play on those strengths for them because they feel good to serve in that way. You know, as we're talking about all these things tonight and resilience, here's what I want people to understand. I didn't come on this show when I had it all together. I'm not going to launch when I I'm going to be further along in my health journey, but I'm not going to have it all together before I start sharing some of the health things I've learned because there's still value in it. We don't have to be perfect. And, and there's this letter, there's a gentleman that wrote a letter. I have a disabled brother. So this is kind of really special to my heart, but this gentleman wrote a letter to his daughter years ago. And I think it sums up everything we're talking about. And it says, my dear Bristol, have you heard of this? I don't know. My dear Bristol, before you were born, I prayed for you. In my heart, I knew that you would be a little angel, and so you were. When you were born on my birthday, April 7th, it was evident you were a special gift from God, but how profound a gift you turned out to be. More than the beautiful bundle of gurgles and rosy cheeks, more than the firstborn of my flesh, which is a joy unspeakable, you showed me his love more than anything else in creation. You taught me how to love. I certainly loved you when you were cuddly and cute and when you rolled over and sat up and jabbered your first words. I loved you when the searing pain of realization took hold that something was wrong, that maybe you were not developing as quickly as your peers. And then when we understood it was more serious than that. 
I loved you when we went from hospital to clinic to doctor looking for a medical diagnosis that would bring some hope. And of course, we always prayed for you and prayed and prayed. I loved you when one of the tests resulted in too much spinal fluid being drawn from your body and you screamed. I loved you when you moaned and cried, when your mom and I, um, when your mom and I would drive for hours at night, uh, trying, just trying to help you get to sleep because you couldn't sleep anymore. I loved you with tears in my eyes when confused, you would bite your fingers or your lip by accident. And when your eyes crossed and then went blind, I most certainly loved you when you could no longer speak, but how profoundly I missed your voice. I loved you when your scoliosis started retching your body like a pretzel. When we put a tube in your stomach so you could eat because you were choking on your food, which we fed you one spoonful at a time for up to two hours per meal. I managed to love you when your contorted limbs would not allow ease of changing your messy diapers. So many diapers, 10 years of diapers. Bristol, I even loved you when you could not say the one thing in life that I longed to hear back. Daddy, I love you. I loved you when I was close to God and when he seemed far away and when I was full of faith and when I was furiously angry at him. And the reason I loved you in spite of these difficulties is that he put this love in my heart. This is the wondrous nature of his love. He loves us even when we are blind, deaf, or twisted in body or in spirit. And he loves us even when we can't tell him we love him back. My dear, you are now free, and I look forward to the day, according to his promises, and we will be joined together with you and him, completely whole and full of joy. I'm so happy you have your crown first. We will follow you someday in his time. Before you were born, I prayed for you. In my heart, I knew that you would be a little angel, and so you were. Love, Daddy. Oh, wow. And I think this father represents kind of what we were saying is, you don't have to, you, you don't have to wait to be perfect to get it all together. As a matter of fact, I promise you this, if you are procrastinating that way, you'll never do it because none of us is ever going to be perfect. At our, one of our mutual friends, Chiago, had a post he put up the other day. I'm not up as much as I was, but I saw this one and it said imperfect action beats waiting to make it perfect anytime because some of the learning comes from the imperfect action. So I would say to your people listening, take action on the thing, whatever your thing is, learn to appreciate the ugly chin hairs for the lessons they have to offer. And remember, you can't shame your way into wellness. So learn to love them. You can't shame your way into wellness and you can't shame your way into healthy living, but you can love your way there. Absolutely. And so that's so powerful. And thank you so much for sharing that. It it's so beautiful, and it it reminds me of you know discussions I have with my people, and we talk about this, and we talk about you know they they want everything to be perfect, but there is no growth in perfection. You know, we, it's just such a misconception that is because the, the things that come out of the learning that happens when we shift perspective, another friend of mine has an autistic daughter and has said that she is the person who has taught him the most about innovation because she has such a different perspective that it expands his. And so that is so beautiful. And I think it's just a a beautiful way to close and say that, you know, there, there is no such thing as perfection. There is no growth in that. And to so celebrate the lessons. And celebrate the messy. Yeah. Because that's where we learn. Mm -hmm. And that's where the beauty that's, I mean, would it be fair to say from my observation, watching you go through this, what I see happening is you discovering more beauty within yourself every day. And the, the more you do the, uh, I mean, the, there's so much of that that we've seen like for example like what jack said to you 
But when you see people go through and, and really overcome, build that resilience, do all of those things and shifts in perspective that you're doing, it's like watching a flower bloom. Is it? It is. And so it's beautiful to see you really, really see some of the beauty within yourself. You know, like when you say writing a letter from God to see, to see yourself in the way that God sees you. Yeah. And you know what? And and you know what? There was a time in my life I would have expected it to be condemning and shaming, but that was not about him. It was about my misperception. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what the whole lesson is in resilience, I think, is the shift in perspective. You know, I've known some people who have endured some incredible traumas and tremendous abuse in their life. And um, it's almost like when you, it's almost like a piece of gold jewelry. If you use it well, it can become a refiner's fire and it burns out the impurities. What I'm finding is my, some of my character impurities are being burned out. Just like you put a piece of gold into the flame and the impurities come out and you, and you, you brush those off the surface. And then when you're done, you have this beautiful piece of jewelry. Um, I'm facing some of those ugly chin hairs and I'm finding that it's not the end of me. No. And in fact, I think it's just the beginning. So that's my, my, my story. And I'm sticking to it. Embrace your chin hairs. Um, embrace the fact that you can be blind, dumb, twisted in body or in spirit, and you're still going to be accepted and valued. Absolutely. And where can people get in touch with Eugenie if they want to hear more? I actually put a link. It'll be in the show. It's a milkshake website. Uh, Again, I haven't, you'll find that I'm not on too much on social media right now, but that's going to change in October. I'm coming back with a vengeance in my first ebook and another course on building your confidence through five steps of clarity. So those things are showing up in October, as well as a whole lot of other things that some supplements and some health products that you and I are both familiar with that we really enjoy. I'm going to be sharing some of those. And I might have some of you guys on once in a while to talk with me about the difference. Cause I've seen it's made quite a difference in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my wish for everyone is that <laughs> you will embrace your chin hairs <laughs> and see the beauty within you that I see. So until next week, thank you, Jeannie Holzbacher. Thanks for having me back. I I love love you too. I love you. Take care.